Hey, um, so it's uh, so let's let's do this. Let's we'll cut all this out. Don't worry, Jim. <laughs> Jim, 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 Jim. I love you so much. Jim, can you cut Jim. all this out? Faith, Faith, Faith can, <laughs> Faith, can you make sure that Jim cuts out? Dan, oh god, it just came twice. Dan, can you make sure that Faith, that Jim cuts all this out? Actually, I came, I came once and peed once. Jim so. Sparks, can you write a blog entry about this? <laughs> Josh, Syracuse, do you have any? Oh, uh, do you have any uh, critical? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> People are gonna know. They're gonna Nerds, know. Is it, this is isn't it Porkins? You. Is it Porkins or Wedge? Nerds, what is oh, it? Oh my God, they're gonna know this isn't you. There's no way you know this. <laughs> you know what's weird is you sound super clearer, uh, which That's is weird right. with digital. You know those HDMI cords? They're just they're screwing us with those because digital is digital. You know that, right, Rob Corder? You know that? Wait a minute. Wait. What are you telling me? <laughs> Yeah, I killed Kennedy. So, you need the monster cable. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that. I've done that. I thought, you know, I owe it to myself. I got this. I got this nice uh, CD player. I should get the. I should get the monster cable. You know what I'm saying? Oh boy, it's a slippery slope, though, huh? Mm. It is. It is. It is. It is. You know, it's like when you get those gold versions of the Steely Dan records. They sound, <laughs> they sound so. They sound so much better. They just came out with a high def, high def audio, I believe, or something. It's like better than lossless. What or or something? And I'm like, oh, I need that. <laughs> what kind of now for you? What kind of record do you buy at, at high def? Oh well, of course, it's only like the most obscure jazz records that these <laughs> idiots would would own. You know what I mean? These the you can audio hear file. you can hear Monk just passing gas and groaning. <laughs> exactly, you can hear everything. You can hear his digestive juices. <laughs> a shifting hat. That's that's <laughs> that's valuable. I don't know. It's funny, you know. I used to be. I couldn't even tell the difference, like with 128k. I used to do everything in 128k because that was always like the standard. Yeah. And now, like, I totally, even with my dead rock and roll ears, I hear the difference now. If, if it's not uh, at like at least 192. I know. I know. I don't even want to listen to a, 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 a higher file. Like, it's it's. I know I'll be even if I can't hear the difference. I think I'll convince myself that I hear the difference. And I'm uh, and I'm in. Are you a big ripper? Do you rip big? Do you? I know some people who rip three twenty. They roll three twenty. Oh, I lossless. Oh, ooh. I rip lossless. Yeah, you rip absolutely. Lo- you rip yeah. lossless. Absolutely. I got a drobo, man. I got space to ba- I got space to burn. Hot swap. Hot what? swap. You can hot swap with those. You know, you can. Wait, you can hot swap a drobo? Oh, dude. Well, you can hot swap the drives. That's the nice part. That's the oh, ni- yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. I wouldn't. I'd just shut that down first. You don't want to lose your sebado. That's important. Is, <laughs> a- a- is that AAC? Is that what that is? Is that what you use? Yeah. 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 Wow, I, I actually I download Flack. If that's what you even call it, is that what you say? I've never said it out loud. I've only read it. All the it. best stuff, if you're going slightly off the grid, all the best stuff is in Flack. The people who post the entire Bowie dis- yeah. discography, I hear, will it's do it. If it's, if it's there, it's in Flack. It's true. Flax are great, and then I uh, and then I, you know, do magic on them. What do you? What do you? Uh, this is inside baseball. What do you use for that? I got that one with the little uh, where the wealth things are icon. What do you, What do you use for going flack to iTunes? Uh, XLD. Oh, XLD. I got I got a diary of that. That sounds good. Yeah, it sounds. It's good because I don't have to. Do, it's like handbrake. I don't have to touch any of these yes. uh, other you know settings. Like it just does it and it does it right. Oh gosh, this looks great. This looks so much better. Yeah. Okay, so listen, Howard Stern, <clears throat> explain this to me. So, because it seems to me like I used to always flip by and he'd be on E talking, 
And everybody would be laughing at his jokes, and he'd have his glasses on, and he was trying to make some lady like him by talking about what a nerd he was. I thought the movie was fun, but it's, it's really much deeper than that, right? With him, it, there's something much deeper going on, which is like he has a larger mojo that you get over time that goes way beyond talking about boobs. Is that correct? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, he still talks about boobs for the, you know, for the fans, but he, uh, yeah, it's, it's mostly, it's really about, and I, I can't really put my finger on why he's such a good interviewer. Um, and also he's just, he's a very almost painfully honest person, which, which kind of has made him who he is and made his show what it is because he's, he's able to talk about anything and, and he brings that out in people. Mm-hmm. In in the people around him working on his show, who are also characters that you know that that you've grown to love, and and uh, and and everybody he gets on the show, they just like you can't not be honest on that show, or he'll know. <laughs> and by you making know? himself so uh, transparently vulnerable, that even yeah, exactly. a famous guy who owns the world, he when he makes himself vulnerable like that, it's even more effective. Exactly. And yeah. also, you know, he, he is just really a, a really honest Like He's one of those guys that can get away w- with what he does because he's squeaky clean. You know, oh, yeah. like mm-hmm. uh, he, you can you, there's no skeletons in, in his closet, you know, like the uh, this new sort. It's not even a scandal, I guess, that like a uh, uh, a version of Super 8 was found like oh, pirate, and he supposedly he supposedly released with, it supposedly with his name on it now oh my god he does not even and he is so vocal about how he does not even over the years he's talked about how he does not even lend those to his best friends mm-hmm. right right and so obviously and this has happened before people at paramount or you know at the studios will leak them with those watermarks just to kind of screw uh, for real, with, with celebrities. Happens, and how he's a oh perfect. He's a perfect person to screw with like that because I bet you this person was a fan because that makes for great radio, right? You know, because because wow. he's the not he's the last person to do that, and and it, it'll be a great scandal on the show and like who did it, who's the leak, and but of course he didn't even indulge it. He was just like I didn't do it. Everybody knows I didn't do it, and he didn't make a big deal out of it. But yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm a super fan. Yeah, I I, I think it's. I, I think it's so interesting the way you can get so attached to uh, to a voice or a personality. And uh, I, I mean, can, wait, wait, one other thing, one other thing. That show used to be on a long time ago. Wasn't there an allegation that Viacom were the people who were leaking The Daily Show, like before it was on the West Coast? Sometimes. Oh yeah. I think there was an allegation. I mean, because they were showing up back in the day before they really cracked down on YouTube. Um, you could just find whole episodes. I think well, maybe not whole episodes, but broken up anyway. You you just find the Daily Show like clips from there all the time. Yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar. And and it, I would I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if it was Viacom. I mean, it's kind of smart, you know. It's brilliant. No one. Yeah. I mean, there's. It's so funny. I have a friend who works at Warner Brothers Records, and he's he's really an interesting. Super, Ethan Kaplan. He's a really interesting guy, and his job. Uh, I don't know if this is still the case, but his job for a long time was. Of taking all this stuff that's supposedly threatening and trying to find something interesting to do with it, mm-hmm. and starting with social media back when back before that was a total douche thing, uh, but also things like there's things like I think it's called I want to say I'll get the name wrong nerds but it's something like Pink Champagne or something. There's a service that the record companies <laughs> all buy that basically shows you the charts. <laughs> for torrents it shows you the charts i don't know if it you know wow made, but no that's the notion is they want to see you know so in other words i'll tell you this i you ever heard that story about the jap was it a chinese ship that crashed with all the air jordans on it and it became this thing in uh where basically you could learn they learned so much about how tides move by discovering where, where air jordans showed up 
<laughs> to this day, Air Jordans are still washing up, and they're like, oh, okay, well, that means they probably got caught in this place. And I uh, wonder if it's like that. I wonder, you know what I'm saying? I mean, maybe not with Viacom, but I bet, man, if in the record industry, I wouldn't be surprised at all. If they get a watermark version that they can then sort of trace the provenance, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Get a no, high-quality version out, you know? A lot of data, a lot of very useful data, I'm sure. That's great. Does that weird you out when you see your stuff, or uh, let's say here, here through your reprobate friends, does that freak you out when you hear that... Uh, just for the sake of argument, uh, S3E4 of Children's Hospital is available like pretty quickly. Does that freak you out? No, I, I don't care. What do you mean? Up on the uh, that people are stealing it? Stealing is a friendly word. Okay, I, all right. I encourage it. I don't really? I don't really care. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't expect to make any more money off of Children's Hospital than the hundreds and hundreds of dollars I already do. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm a thousandaire. This show has made me a thousandaire. <laughs> wow, that's fine for Rob. No uh, kidding. Like literally, literally hundreds of literally dollars. Literally tens of hundreds of dollars. <laughs> so your little version of the, what you call it, the Louis C.K. deal. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, you get yeah. unlimited, unlimited, right? You could just be the auteur and you literally have $400 to make the Yeah, episode. they're like, how many of these $10 bills do you want? You can't buy you a can lot of Lake a- Bell for $100. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's true. No. <laughs> <laughs> she makes a lot more than I do oh, for, God. as an actor on that show. The talent on that show, uh, I'm sure you're, at this point you just did some promo stuff, a lot of promo stuff for Children's Hospital. So uh, obviously I, I would like to say to people, please watch the show because it, season three especially, your character <laughs> has undergone, uh, would you call it transformation? He just he seems much more beatable now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's we're, we're starting to like, we've we've discovered, like we weren't so much into, you know, uh, character development or, you know, story, uh, until we realized that, you know, character development actually helps, uh, write jokes if you round out these characters a little bit. So yeah, uh, my character has definitely, uh, been <laughs> more, uh, rounded out, I guess you'd say. Is he, but is he hurting because of the, so my, my thing is I'm real spotty. I, I've got uh, I've watched all of season one, a lot of season two. I'm I'm a little behind on some of the end of season two, but I started watching season three. I mean, is it in part because of the failure of his show is that was the, that that harmed him? That really took him down a peg. Was that part of it? No, 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 no. See, I, you know, like I, I, there's so little continuity on our show. There's never any <laughs> there's never any real subtext like that. It seems like it serves. I mean, it's funny because like you talk about the characters, it starts out from the first frame. I think it's the first frame of the prom, like when it opens with the you know the cold opening of previously, and you've got Kim Marino and a yamaka making out and getting slammed against a window, and you you can tell you're you're in for something a little bit different, right? Exactly. It's exactly. not for everybody. Our- I tell my friends this is not for everybody, but like oh. it's uh, but it's so but if you can really feel that evolution, and you say it makes it easier to write. So you write the show. Tell me a little bit about the uh, the the talent behind making it. You are the you're the animus, right? Or you're it's kind of it started out as your show. Well, yeah, I'm I'm the uh, I'm the creator. It, w- it was my idea, and I got it going. But you know, it's really become I I my my other the other my partners, my executive producing partners, John Stern and David Wayne. You know, David um, was uh, are also it's it's really become sort of our show. You know, and uh, the three of us are kind of the driving um, force behind the the direction of it, and. And now, yeah, we just started writing season four, so we're kind of like deep in the process of doing that, and it's uh, it's it's really uh, it's really fun and hard, and and uh, you know, I love it when people people are like, uh, you see, guys, like you must write this show and you're high, right? 
You know, you got like right. you guys like get. What do you do? What do you? You know what I love. Here, like, what I love about this show is like it's no, just, it's really hard. Man. It's just like the stuff my friends and I do exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of is me and my buddies and when we just just kick back and we're like, what if this lady died and like, wow. and we're like, what, you guys, we should be filming this. <laughs> Let's live in a treehouse together. <laughs> oh my gosh, we should be we should be characters on we that show. We could do that, and we bring our pets, man. And we <laughs> we could cook. It could make some awesome macaroni and cheese. Totally, but it is like it is it is especially the show like this. It is crazy how how many people think that's the case. You know, but you've got you've got a lot of constraints, right? I mean, uh, joking aside, you you don't have unlimited time and money i apparently they're destroying your set if i understand correctly and you you seems like you'd have to have a fair amount of you guys do a lot of preparation i'm sorry you should tell the story yeah. but you do a lot of preparation you allow and encourage a certain amount of improv i mean if you work with kimmery oh, yeah. you got to just let give that horse some line i'm sure but oh, of course. but but tell me a little bit about how that works so you and you and david we talked a little bit about this let's share it with the nerds you and david and john collaborate um through google docs is that correct <laughs> we do, yeah, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, I mean, the whole, this is how, this, in a nutshell, this is our, is, this is our process, um, or as the Canadians would say, process. Mm-hmm. With, um, a U, with a U in it. Yeah, 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 um, we, uh, we get a group of sort of like-minded friends together, a lot of comedians uh, and funny people together in a room, and we just pitch ideas, right? But then we'll get the cast together in a room and we'll have them pitch ideas. And then we just have this – we had what turned into a, a 56-page Google Doc uh, full of ideas. And then David and John and I uh, – it gets hard sometimes to get together because David's in New York. We, we each have a color and we basically just start noting the Google Doc. And then we start to sort of – uh, organize it into either sections or, uh, uh, John usually organizes it into sections of like a stories, B stories, C stories, uh, just bits, um, you know, mm-hmm. running jokes, character things. He becomes uh, kind of like a, a continuity project manager sort of. Well, he, that's how he, that's how he kind of wraps his head around it. That's his process. Like mm-hmm. that's, he doesn't really understand what he's looking at until he moves it around a little bit. You know what I mean? Yes. You know how that makes you like you really start to understand something if you've touched it and you've moved right. it somewhere else. We, we, well, you should tell the other story later, but like you can get a, you can learn a lot about how much somebody understands something from their their notes on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As you've mentioned, you get, you know, contradictory notes sometimes on things. But I, I think like editing a document is a great way to understand it. There's, like they say teaching something um, is a right. great way to learn it. And and so you guys you you feel like you you so you it sounds like so you're working um what's the word asynchronously like you're not sometimes you're sitting there in the document together or are you sometimes working yeah. on it independently I, and ideally we we are like yesterday we're at the point now where we just took all we 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 got rid of our the ideas we didn't like we got together our favorite ideas we put them down on color coded index cards you know like yellow is a stories. Blue is with C and B, B and C stories, uh, you know, a, a different color for uh, just uh, special episodes, a different color for character things. And then we just kind of we put it down on the table and we all together, we just sat there staring at it and just kind of moving them around like, oh, well, this goes with this, this goes with this, arguing about it. And then realizing like that's when that's when the most fun happens. Like, oh, my God, these two stories, how can they not go together? Mm hmm. 
And it's not so much that like, oh, they're the same kind of story, but like they're so different, but we can see how they might link up at the end. And that's really satisfying. And then we do that all together. And now, like yesterday, we were up just kind of now we have sort of a mini outline of each of uh, 16 episodes. We, we, we air 14. And then we are sitting around and we're, there was four of us sitting around a table and David at the end of the table on Skype from New York. And uh, we were all just, you know, just arguing and, and talking and, and, you know, basically just doing a lot of bits. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and now we have like, uh, now we're ready to actually outline the episodes and start writing them. So uh, that must be exhausting and exciting. It's exciting. It's more exciting than it is exhausting because it really is. I guess it's probably a lot easier to write an eleven-minute show. I wouldn't want to do this with a forty-five-minute show. Right. But uh, it's um, They're almost it's, like. It's, but the funny part is, I mean, I, I think of them. Gosh, I think about shows like uh, Deadwood and The Wire and Children's Hospital. These shows where I can't believe was, how much was packed into the first episode of the show. I forget until <laughs> I go back and, and I've seen the first episode a bunch of times. I've seen you know watched. I'm not, not familiar with your work, but I, I go, mm-hmm. I'll go back and, I'll, and I'm just, I can't believe how many bits that I remember as being greater in that first one. But <clears throat> it seems funny to me. I mean, I, I, it's like obviously an hour long show or an hour long show with an arc, you know, over a season is closer to something like a, you know, an epic novel. Maybe mm-hmm. you're doing something closer to short stories, but that doesn't mean it's not a huge amount of work. It's, oh, it's, it's that yeah. first minute of, of time that's, that costs thousands and thousands of dollars. The second minute is a marginal cost after that, right? It still really takes a lot of time to make a 12-minute yeah. episode of a show. Well, of course. But like also, you know, Deadwood and, and The Wire and Breaking Bad, they're looking at their show uh, in a macro way. They're looking mm-hmm. at two seasons from now and how this is going to, especially Breaking Bad, like so good at that. Uh, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're looking at how this is going to impact Skylar's character in two years. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we don't have to do, we don't have the burden of doing that, but also we're a lot funnier than Breaking Bad. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know? I've got a good show. And, and so, and don't you so wish they'd done that with Lost? Like, don't you kind of wish they'd done that with Lost yeah, a little I, more? Oh, I, I, I absolutely wish they had done that with Lost. And I, I actually had the pleasure of, talking to Damon Lindelof about that. And truly, I, I agree with him in that that was a show about characters. Yes. It, it really was. Uh, and and the, the ending was satisfying to me because, because that, that was wrapped up tighter than any other finale, I think, in history. You, you knew where those characters were and, and why they got there, and, and you cried for them. Uh, well, I didn't cry because I'm a man, but yes. I would have. Uh, sure. Um, but... Uh, but you know, but then again, I, I would like to know what the black smoke is. See, this is the thing. I, I had this conversation <laughs> with Hodgman a few years ago, and you know, he speaks in lectures, as you know, and he mm-hmm. lectured Merlin. You must understand that there, there are no wizards. <laughs> do you understand? Do you know? But do you know? And then you're this just is, you're just staring at his mustache. The whole time. <laughs> this mo- Luckily, this is this is pre facial hair, and I seriously, okay. we need to have an intervention on the mustache. You can only talk to him on the phone now because <laughs> otherwise, you just he's 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 lecturing you, and you're just going mustache, mustache. It's mustache. like he's had a farm accident or something you just can't stop staring at his arm or something i had no idea the mustache was like uh i, I saw him in new york i hadn't seen him in like a year and it was literally like getting punched in the face with his mustache <laughs> well it, it's funny it's like seinfeld
Seinfeld when they show up at the beginning of that season and they've grown mustaches and you're and they're like yeah, we got to get rid of these you know it's so porny it's so porny but but he said no you must understand Merlin do you know that you that <laughs> Merlin Merlin that uh, and it's great because that's actually how he talks like all the time yeah. and uh, never ask him about the different kinds of whiskey unless you've got a couple hours. But anyway, the point the point being, he he said something that I thought was really interesting, uh, which was which got me back into the show during like whatever the second or third season, third season I guess. And but but he's saying the thing you have to understand about this show, what makes it a great science fiction show, is that it is a self contained universe, and everything that happened on there's nothing here that happened because of magic. So according to J.J. Abrams, everything on here within – I'm not right. this well, but within the universe of the show, there's nothing magical happening here. There's a reason for the black smoke. There's a reason for the yeah. magnets. It's all – and I think that's the thing. Is like I, I eventually, because I wanted to like it, I watched it as a character show. But I really liked it as a science fiction show or yeah. – right? Would you say – yeah, where there's, there's something going on here about – that's that's a uh, allegory. I don't know what you call it. Like, if there's something about life, but there's things that are happening here that don't happen in our world, and eventually we'll learn why. Like Arthur C. Clarke would would explain that. He can explain in a way that Stanley Kubrick didn't want to explain, like what 2001 meant. And you know what I mean? I kept waiting for right. that, and when we got to the end, I was like, wait a minute, there's so much I still don't understand. <laughs> right. I felt a little chipped, but uh, but, but we're still to, talking about it. We are. We are. Okay. You know? So uh, children, children's hospital. Uh, uh, to, Tell people. Uh, just no, I mean that in a way like like that's maybe perhaps not an accident. Like they're like you know we're still talking we're still talking I about the Sopranos, the ending Rob, of Sopranos. Yeah, uh, see now I love that, but but I think this I is too. Occam's I Razor. Like- it's a version of Occam's Razor. Instead of going like, see, I think a lot. Of, I'm guessing. I don't know anything about this, but my guess is a lot of these shows start out with three amazing duck butt tight scripts ready to go or maybe even you might have i don't know if you have an episode in the can but you've got three to five episodes that are totally like done and ready and then out of nowhere you suddenly have to go produce the entire album you've got to go make a season of this and you haven't gone oh my god what's gonna oh oh like that was a little too tidy how the right. whatever last episode ends and now you got and so i'm imagining there must have been a point when they're like oh my god now desmond has to oh <laughs> god right. is there any more coffee you know absolutely I, I bet that don't you think that's what it became absolutely well there was a season i don't remember what season it was but when uh the penultimate, the penultimate season the season before the last season was really bananas I, wasn't god, that the I, one it's. I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. I, I remember when Brian K. Vaughn came on. It really got good again. And he's he's a big comic book guy. I'm a I'm a big comic book. Who's fan. that? That's, that's not Ben. Who who is no, that? Brian K. Vaughn. He's a he's a he wrote these. He wrote. A oh, very, sorry. Right. He's a writer. Like, yeah, he's a writer. Okay, he's sorry. a writer, and he. I think he. I think he became the head writer. He started leading the room, and and it really because because he's from comic books, and comic books are all about creating a universe and maintaining the rules of that universe. And uh, and he kind of turned that show around. I think that was like the third or fourth season. And mm-hmm. so that might be uh, – and then he left. So that might be the season you're talking about after he right. left. There were all these like, you know, kind of loose ends that Brian K. Vaughn had planted and, and they never got seen through. I, I don't know. I want to take a minute to thank a great sponsor this week, Wufu.com, W-U-F-O-O. And you probably know how to spell .com. Wufu is a form building service. It's hosted in that cloud that you keep reading about. And they make it really easy to help anyone create high-quality online forms. And then do really cool stuff with the data in those forms. Wufu is a terrific service. Dan and I swear by it. 
It's how we run the contact forms for 5 by 5 It's also how you can, believe it or not, actually contact me on MerlinMan.com. Uh, which was a breeze to use. The forms look beautiful, but the best part is what you can do with the data. This is very, very cool. Yes, you can get email notifications. Yes, you can get text notifications. But you can also send form results directly into services you already use and love. If you use HiRise, Salesforce, Campaign Monitor, MailChimp, many more, you can have your stuff go straight in. Huge time saver. We're big fans. Please check them out by visiting Wufu.com. Dan and I love Wufu, and we thank them very much for supporting 5x5 and back to work. I kept, I kept imagining them going back. <clears throat> I kept imagining them going back to the first or second season and like watching and sitting there with that thing where you've got your, got your hands together on your nose and you're like going, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like studying and going like, what can, we, what can we retroactively make this? Like going back and taking this fact that you know the nerds know a hundred times better than us. You know, and again, there, there were no. wikis. There, were, there was a wiki about Lost totally. with oh, I all love that. the I know Lostopedia with like every all these alternative universe ideas, and I'd wait till the episode was over, and then I'd go read it, and I'd be like, "Oh yes, 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 yes." Actually, each one of these is one of the disciples, or whatever. Uh-huh. Or there was one, you know, the whole Hobbes and Locke, or you know, it's all about like you know philosophers, you know. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, I want to make sure that we specifically mention this. This, this, all, this, uh, this, all, this chatting is all well and good. But so, so just so we're clear, uh, Adult Swim, Children's Hospital. It, do you, you have a consistent time that it comes on? Yeah, right? Thurs, Thursday nights at midnight. It repeats again on Sunday, and uh, or you can steal it. I don't care. Just yeah. put your eyeballs on it. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. Wouldn't know about that. But that's something. <laughs> I guess. I guess you do that with your computer. I don't. I don't. I don't really even know. I Isn't don't even Pirate Bay a sponsor this week? <laughs> you are. I'm yeah. scared. I don't like messing with those people. They freak me out. I so. don't. I just can't. I don't know how to do it. I. Uh, you know, like you know, I. You know how I've been having all this. Uh, there's certain uh, things that I just can't. I'm a pretty tech savvy guy. I want to talk like, about your. And, I want to talk about your cable modem. Oh god. Let's come back to that. Let's come round back. But uh, 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 you got to avoid those torrents, Rob Corgi. The torrents that exposes your IP address. That's no. Good. Yeah, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of them. I really. Well, am. I have I, a bunch of friends that have gotten uh, what is it DMCA uh, notices from from Comcast or whatever, and they're like, okay, like here's George would say, ah, 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 like hey, you're doing that thing. Yeah. I mean, I will full disclosure. I'll, I'll admit, I was a member of one that was like a really like you had to be invited by a member. Yeah. Did and, you do, did you donate? And you, no, you don't have to donate, but you I had did. to have a ratio. I and did. Like, you had to keep up your ratio. And, and I just really like, couldn't figure it out, man. I, I'm like not good with, with <laughs> I, the, I was gone after like a week. I, I was, don't know what a seed is. I don't know what a – I just right. – I was out. I was and you too, get yelled at by Van Hoot about not doing it uh, uncompressed oh, or whatever. Yeah. See, oh, but here's the thing, Rob. If you're talking about the one I think, I, I see I donated. So that means yeah. I'm on the special list in Sweden. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a target probably. <laughs> I'm oh, an God. idiot. No, because this, this is the ironic part. Is everybody goes, oh, people don't buy music or whatever. And I'm like, no, I'll support whatever I can. I just, I'm just not going to go to Sam Goody's and buy a CD. I'm happy to donate to things. You know, I was saying, I was saying to, to, to Jonathan Colton that like I had this thing, this idea of like if there's an independent artist you like a lot, like you should buy their album every month and give it exactly. to somebody. Like that's exactly. that's a good way to do it. Like you know, I I've bought so many copies of things for other people just because you know I want to support the artist. And there's only so many copies of you know thing a week one that I can buy or whatever. And I don't know. That's that seems complicated. Maybe this is a a place for you to to tell a story. I think it's super interesting, which is how. Children's Hospital started and what the context was for you. Um, yeah, yeah, so so talk a little. Can you talk just a tiny bit about your what preceded that, and then uh... yeah, I well, uh, so I was. Uh, this was a weird time. It was a couple of years ago, and and it was during the writer strike in L.A. and uh, and and so I I had nothing to do. Um, 
And uh, I, I, so I, what I did was I got productive about, you know, being more productive. And I spent eight hours a day <laughs> learning how to be more productive for when the time came for me to be productive. <laughs> you know, just like when I was a kid or when I was in my 20s, I would go to every audition that was listed in Backstage Magazine because I wanted to get good at auditioning because that's really what you have to be good at. Wow. You could be a terrible actor, but if you're a good auditioner, you'll work. So I just got really good at auditioning. And and so it's like this. I wanted to be really good at working. So I studied. And that's when I found, discovered GTD. Uh, that's when I f- discovered what GDT, GTD had become, which was you. I found your whole thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I started playing around with OmniFocus. And uh, I, I just started to really, like, figure it out. And there was kind of a click you know, where, and I, I, I kind of learned, I talked to you about that. I've kind of learned GTD the, the, the wrong way. I learned it through using OmniFocus. And then I read the, then I read the book. You know what I mean? I, I so I started huh. using, yeah, I started using OmniFocus, figuring it out. And then the book made so much more sense to me. I was like, oh yes, I get it. Content. You didn't, so you didn't really understand per se the problem OmniFocus was designed to solve. No, but huh. but it was it you know what OmniFocus and GTD really uh they really um uh, uh I don't know what it is. They really complement this this thing I've had my whole life. Uh and I don't know whether it's ADD or what, but like I'm a list person and mm-hmm. when I when I when I even in 6th grade when I would do a brain dump I would feel like I would really feel like then when I'm stressed out and then I write down everything I have to do, I would feel better. I'd feel like half the work is done. And that's I think kind of the core of GTD, right? Like Yeah, I I mean get- just I totally agree with you. Just to put a finer point on it, I totally agree. And I think there are list people. I think there are office supply people. I think there are certain kind of people with these maladies like you and I have. Mm-hmm. And and for the list people, I think the nice thing about it is you might really it's almost like coming out of the closet or something. You wander around going like there's probably not a solution for what's wrong with me. But I, and then you discover like it's okay to make these lists. But then I think what GTD teaches you is that the list part is great. That's you know what? Welcome to the family. Come and make your list. But the key yeah. part then is the decision making about what yeah. you're going to do. Right? I mean, to me, that was where I went. Oh, this is I can do this. Yeah. You know, this isn't going to be about whether I. You know, it's like Buddhism, right? It's not whether I believe in this thing. It's what I see and what I'm going to do. Yeah, uh, that's, that's probably a stretch. But I just no, the no. First that's time the whole you, thing. You that's just the described the mental sweep when you're in sixth grade. Yeah. And I mean, I love making lists. Of movies I knew the title for. I love, you know, yeah. lists, lists, lists. I have that site fives, which is just nothing but lists. I love lists. Oh, and, of course. And, but then you go, like, then the GTD part is to go, wait a minute now, like, just because you made that list and you could even call it a to-do list, like, are you sure you're going to do all that stuff? Right. Exactly. And that's what, that's what, you know, how I think you, in your, in your interview with David Allen, I think he said, you guys were saying, it takes two years to learn mm-hmm. GTD, to really understand it. And I was a, I was sort of understanding it around the time I heard that <laughs> interview. I was like, yeah, no, and it's about it. Really, is about like what to do next. The list, the lists are the gateway uh, drug. Are the, the you know the first yeah, one exactly. Too. The list gets you excited, yeah. and yeah. the thing I got from that interview, um, I'm pretty happy with how that turned out just because it was so educational for me and he said so many not that I, I had any role in this but that he said so many things i had not heard him say in that way before um including the breakthrough for me which was 
you know, he, well, based on what he said of like, you know, every time you, if you go back and reread Getting Things Done, you read a different book each time, mm-hmm. which I found to be true. And the third time I read the book, and I, I, I'm not embarrassed about that. It's a great book. I mean, returning to it helps me understand a system that a grown up could use that's sensible and doesn't require a deity. But <clears throat> what I got with the third time probably was how much I was not paying attention to the altitudes. Uh, I yeah. thought it was about lists. And then when he said in that interview, well, if you're thinking somewhere in your brain, you're thinking about where you want to be in five years, 10 years, 20 years, and you're not capturing that to someplace and doing something about it, that's just as bad as, I'm just quoting him at this point, that's just as bad as not answering a phone call and feeling bad about it. Yes, absolutely. And that's sort of what I'm like doing now. It's literally in my OmniFocus <laughs> to figure out my like, you know, 60,000 uh, foot thing yes my goals you know figure out my altitudes it must make your wife feel great when you tell her you're spending the day figuring (laughs) out why you're on the planet (laughs) oh god well i showed you did i did i did i end up sending you the picture of my wife and 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 her 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 system she's uh it's a very physical uh kind of paper-based system i believe (laughs) no we have a we have it was not a minimalist desk rob we have a well though we have it it's in our kitchen on our counter uh we have a uh we have an old laptop an old like macbook on our in our kitchen counter and it's really just like for basic things when we need it in the kitchen and she's got her date book opened up on the keyboard (laughs) It's and so... she's writing in a calendar in a date book. <laughs> so that's where we are. Well, I met I met Biz Stone, one of the guys. Uh, you know, it's it, uh, I think he actually recently left Twitter, but I met him when he was a blogger. When blogger wow. had been acquired by well, not, it's only in the service of saying he had the same Dell monitor that I have right now. One of those little, and he it was basically he had a twelve inch uh, G you know G four power book, one of those awesome little tiny ones, and but he was used his, he just used that. And his Dell monitor was covered with post it notes. <laughs> he, he had this really nice monitor that people would kill for and it just had a bunch of like s- string around his finger like the uncle in uh you know it's a wonderful life <laughs> it's great it's great um but you know that 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 works that works for a lot of people and and yeah. you so you were you had your what do they what do they call it in uh in england you had your uh your gap year or you had your time where and yeah. at, the, at this point i seem to, i seem to remember when i remember when you left the daily show i remember that episode but how long had it been well, let me put it this way. What were you, what, after The Daily Show, what did you do, and how long was that before the oh. writer's strike? What were you doing at that time? Yeah, God. Well, that was a really stressful time because I was uh, moving to L.A. to do a show uh, that ended up getting canceled after six episodes. Uh, you know, buying a house, uh, having a baby. I moved here with a two-month-old, so wrapping my head around that. And, you know, I basically I was like – all of the biggest stresses except for dealing with a death like i was mm-hmm. and then and then yeah i got here and it was probably god not it was probably like less than a year into it it was a probably it was about less than a year after my show got canceled that uh the writer strike happened and so yeah it was a dark <laughs> it was a mm-hmm. dark time and at that point i don't i i i didn't really even consider myself a writer and this goes i think this speaks to a lot of the, the stuff that you did guys you, but are you, talking did you do about. your bits you, were your bits just improvised on i mean no i wrote i wrote did I you write, write the tiny hat did you write Shh. the tiny hat or did you send improvise the tiny hat what's the uh i that's oh, that's got to be one know. of the greatest huh. things when you want to go into the bar and you're talking about prejudice was it a prejudice against tiny hats was that what it was <laughs> no 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 it was oh that was my disguise or something that was like the no it was like you were going in there and you were a, a hairless man who was who had like was misunderstanding why people weren't and you had yeah, like yeah, a yeah. little tiny hat covering <laughs> well the bit was that i was going to go undercover and feel what it's like to be a bald man <laughs> in society so i had a makeup artist come in and make over my head as a bald man and it ended up looking just like my <laughs> and he really did like 
put a latex thing on my head and then then put hair on the sides and that little tuft I had at that point. And then the, the touch, and that was just something that me and the producer, because those pieces are largely written by the correspondents and the producers, we we just, I don't know, we just thought the tiny hat was funny. We didn't know why. Your uh, presentation is so like, great because you were, you were I, when I first saw you on there, I thought, oh, this guy's, your, your character, which I never realized at the time was not you, is so mooky on that show i mean you're pretty you know what i mean you're pretty much like like this 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 you're like the badass yeah. correspondent from from boston who's, from boston. who's maybe kind of, kind, of, kind of a dick right i'm a, a, ma- a classic mass hole <laughs> yes i love the scene with your friends in the bar yelling at uh, you. that was all real that was 100 <laughs> oh my gosh those guys they still they still are mad that i haven't gotten them a show Oh, I, I, I know every one of those exact people, except they're in Rhode Island. But where my oh, wife, same thing. Oh, no, no. The people in, like, yeah, except maybe, yeah. maybe they're Portuguese. They put eggs in their food. Yeah. But exactly <laughs> the same. Exactly the same. Anyway, so, so we were writing those bits. And, but, I mean, it's funny because Hodgman's talked about working uh, with John and Stuart in particular and how, what a meticulous collaborator he is. Like, yeah. is that, did you find that to be true? I mean, I don't want to talk out of school, but he oh, said no, it was no. great to work with him, but he really puts you to work. He's not a man who just sits behind the desk. He's doing oh. drafts with you up until... He is what is called a showrunner in the business. He's not just the guy behind the desk making the funny faces. He's right. he is the voice of that show, and he is meticulous about guiding the voice of that show and and guiding the writers. Hodgman is an actual writer on that show. I was never uh, an an actual writer, um, you know. And 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 he is yeah very. So you were ta- you were you were you were brought on as talent. Oh yeah, just talent. And wow. and you know those those field pieces are written by the correspondents and the producers, the field producers, because John. <laughs> hates them he just he hates that whole idea and i think if he could get rid of it he just really? it. yeah he knows it's popular and he knows it's funny but he's like it's a real that's not what he enjoys the most they're very the thing is they're very they're very you know, every time i would watch that show i haven't watched it in a while uh just because i it hasn't because i'm not on it no it's true it's true so i don't think your brother it's not the same you know um <laughs> whatever <laughs> is he really your brother yeah, he's my brother. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. fascinating. He's great. Yeah. Um, but um, when I watch it, I would think, gosh, and, and then especially after Hodgman told me that, I thought this, I had no idea how exhausting that show must be to do for the uh, people who, I mean, to put out a, a, literally a daily show four days, four days a week, I can't imagine, or somebody like Letterman or, you know, any of those shows, or even like, God bless him, I'm not a fan. I love Jay Leno, the stand-up comic. Uh, he was, it's unbelievable how great he was in the 80s compared to how tedious he was later on. But, you know, don't, don't, don't comment, you're in the business. But like, no, I, but I can't th- stand him. And people still, people even hated <sighs> him back then. Like, he's, I thought he was, I thought when he would be on Letterman in like the mid, early, mid 80s, I just, I thought he was a stitch just because his presentation was so, you know, unique. Uh, you know, show a kid in uh, Vietnam, Mr. Potato Head. No, you don't eat, you don't, you don't eat, you don't eat the potato, you put a hat on it. No eat, yeah. no eat. Anyway, I thought that was funny when I was, you know, 18. But, but, um, sorry, cut that out, Jim. But, <laughs> but but I would think like that guy is that guy does for somebody who's as freaking rich as he is he does not have to work that much John Stewart no. I don't know what kind of dough the guy makes but holy criminy you know to put that out and I would think every time well you talk about I want to learn I don't know if we have time but I'd love to hear more about how you pitch because that sounds very very high pressure to me when you pitch. Oh, at, at the table. no, no, no. It's, it's just actually fun. not. You know, yeah, you know, uh, Saturday Night Live, I guess it's that's a really high-pressure situation. And, and comedians and the whole process gets kind of a bad rap because of the way Lorne Michaels kind of runs that show but but and you're also when you're in there you're pitching for uh for camera time right if you're one of the if oh, you're yeah. one of the writers it's, cut, it's cutthroat it wasn't that way at the daily show it's very cool and you know it's it's not it, as long as it's not your ego is not involved in it it's fine like i mm-hmm. you know i i every everybody right down to the interns and the researchers could pitch 
pitch ideas, and it's just all what John is kind of into, you know. And so, who would write? Who would write the? Um, I don't know to call them the buttons or the in and out things. Like when you would talk to John, he was at the desk. Who, yeah. who would write those parts? Uh, those are called stand-ups, stand-ups. and uh, yeah, the, the sort of the fake green screen. That's all John <laughs> and the writers. Um, we would improvise a little bit, and John was John really kind of liked it. Some were better than others. Some were definitely yeah, yeah. They're hit or miss. John I mean, Oliver, I, I thought John Oliver is pretty great at that. We want to take a minute to thank a great sponsor this week, our pals at Squarespace. Squarespace is the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website, blog, or online portfolio. I love Squarespace. I use it to run MerlinMan.com, and I'm just a huge fan of what these guys are doing. And uh, the truth is that whenever my friends, especially my slightly less nerdy Van Hoot friends, ask what I recommend for creating a blog or, uh, truthfully, even a company website, I never hesitate, not for a second. Squarespace, guys, squarespace.com. They are the best. It's easy to use, super powerful, and uh, the results are quite lovely. Um, but you're in luck today as a high five to our Back to Work listeners. Squarespace is offering a very special deal. Sign up today. Use the coupon code BACKTOWORK8, that's back to work one word, and the numeral 8, and you will get 10% off your first six months with Squarespace, and there's nothing wrong with that. You can learn more at squarespace.com slash backtowork. That's back to work one word. We want to thank Squarespace very much for supporting 5x5 and Back to Work. He's the best, man. He's, he's one of the greatest. I think he's one of the best correspondents of all time, if not probably right under Colbert. Uh, uh, Colbert, ah, he, was, he was good on there. He's, oh yeah, man. That guy. He's, that guy seems like a pistol. He's the real thing. Like, he, like John and Colbert have the same kind of. Uh, they want to make comedy about very relevant current things. They want to. They want to take. They want to take whatever you know is pushed out of the news pipe and and put it into <laughs> the, the news pipe. You know what I mean? Like, and literally make it into a joke that that day. I not. That's not quite my bag. <laughs> No, and that, that seems. I'm trying to find this quote. Forgive me typing. Uh, there's a quote. I love interviews with Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert. What? What? His real name's Colbert, right? Is that right? Well, apparently, that's what his family were called. Big, big family. And, big family. It's yeah, he's like, like one of eight kids or twelve kids or something. Yeah, the youngest. Is this quote? I've heard him use many times. I just googled it. Uh, I've heard him say this in interviews that he describes his character as a quote well-intentioned, poorly informed, high-status idiot. It's perfect, <laughs> and, and and but I love, but he thinks not in just not in a way that gets in the way, but I like the way he thinks about his work too. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I feel like I see that with Children's Hospital and the evolution. I mean, it's it's. I think it's been hilarious from the beginning. But like when you started out, okay, oh, so let's let's go back to the because this is the interesting part of the story for me. Is like so you're at this point you got a, you got a kid, you got a house, and you're doing yeah. some combination of what like Rocky meets Life Hacker. You're trying to get your act together. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Do you have Do you have a revenue stream of any sort at this point? I only what I made on the TV show that just got canceled, which was, uh, you know, to me at the time, because I was just coming out of basic cable money. Good. You know, I had I could probably live for for a year on it. So and that's what I was sort of that kind of dough on a sitcom. Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, six episodes. Yeah. Six episodes. Um, And I was the lead. So you make a little bit more. Uh, I'm I'm in a sitcom right now where I'm actually making a little bit less than I made on that show because it's an ensemble. Um, yeah, that, but I mean, in the long run, God, for a million reasons, this has got to be so much better. This, oh, absolutely. Oh, did, absolutely. You see, did you see the latest episode of Louie by any chance? Where Louie, I haven't seen the latest one. Oh, that's God. my favorite show on television ever, probably. Brutal, brutal. 
I mean, and each, each episode is different. The guy's an auteur. I mean, I can't believe yeah. he, anyway, we've, we talked about this. I can't believe he makes that show himself. It's I know. so well, I mean, just because you think like, obviously he's a comic and stuff like that, but like the latest, the last episode begins, the, the opening starts after the music. They, it's, it's him on the set of this sitcom and he's doing a, everybody loves, not everybody loves Raymond. That's a pretty good show, but you know what I mean? It's the typical like fat yeah. guy and skinny wife bit. And, uh, and he can't do it. He can't go on. It's just, she, he's like, he's like, no, wait a minute. Stop. She would never say that. She would say, I'm divorcing you. That would be funny. <laughs> and he quits the oh, sh- and he has to, qu- I, not in the spoiler alert, but he has to quit the show. And that, I'm just guessing, just, I'm talking a lot about this. I don't know about your show, but like, it was it kind of like that. Like, was it going, were you doing like, like jokey bits and you knew where the laugh track was going to no, go? And No, actually it was, it was fun. The show we were doing was actually funny and it was in a sitcom format it, which which was not very popular at the, it was really losing popularity at the time and it was very funny and very subversive and fox was wow. kind of out to get it because of that um you know and it, it was a bummer it was like, it was like self-aware me. like like uh no, get a life to, sort I of wish. no i wish god i would love <laughs> to do a version of it's gary shandling show right now oh that would god. just be amazing but uh no it was it was about me uh kind of a shut in who didn't understand he was like a mental 14 year old <laughs> whose best friend was a 14 year old and that you know people kind of get a little creeped out by that <laughs> uh understandably so that's what happened to that it was just too And now much. he's an alcoholic <laughs> exactly it was too much alcoholic 18 year old yeah just yeah they were like you know what we can't have this scene take place in your bedroom <laughs> <laughs> Unless the 14-year-old were played by Chris Elliott. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, have, you, have you seen – I'm sorry to be that guy. I'm being all Chris Farley. Have you seen – I think it's called Wilfred. Have you seen that show where the I guy's a dog? I've got a TV oh, art. Yeah. Charming. Charming. But, okay. um, so, so, you're, so at this point, you're, uh, you got a house, you got a kid, you got a lady with an address book. Yep. And now there's a writer's strike. And nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. Officially, nothing is happening. I – had just shot a movie uh, and and Shreveport for a couple months, which paid me nothing, and 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 I so then I had nothing to do, and I was kind of freaking out, and I but then I buckled down. I I mean I I cannot I I, I had to stay busy, and so that's what I did, and I I just really really got into it, and basically in a nutshell, what discovering all this stuff did for me was to clear my head and allow space for bigger ideas to happen i think hmm. because do, it's do, not do you, a, do you th- are you a thinker do you or do you think i mean I, I was just just for context i consider myself an overthinker like i can think something yeah. to death and never do anything about it was that i mean what were you you must have been worried on some level or th- just anxious about what was going on was your were you just reeling at that point yeah oh very worried very oh, very worried and, and and uh worried and 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 not 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 confident Mm-hmm. Full of fear in, the, in that, like, I'm not a writer. I don't know how to do this. I don't, I don't know what to do next. Uh, I, I'm an actor. I'm, I make funny faces for a living. Mm-hmm. So give me something to make funny faces in. Uh, and there was nothing. So I, you know, and, and I knew, I knew, you know, John, Ster- John Stewart, after he, when he knew I was leaving The Daily Show, said, I want, he said, I want you to write a movie for my production company. And I said, Sure. And then I realized I had no idea how to write a movie. And, and, and everybody in Hollywood thinks if you're a comic, you've got to be a writer as well and you've got to generate your own material. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And I had no idea how to write a movie. Mm. And I learned how to write a movie via failing at the one I wrote for John. Um, and, and so it just was about, it was about getting over that and, getting, and, and, and actually like learning how to 
feel comfortable enough to call myself a writer. And that's where I am now. But it really was, it really was, a, you know, a certain thing happened and, uh, and uh, I had the idea for the show and the, the idea for Children's Hospital was so easy. It was just, it was Grey's Anatomy in a children's hospital, like all the sexual politics of a, of a hospital soap opera in a children's hospital. And it's, and is it, is it true that you, you told me once that it, the the one seed of the idea, the germ, so to speak, did actually begin in a children's hospital? Yes, I had pulled my daughter's uh, a ligament loose in her in her arm one day, beating the crap out of her. <laughs> is Faith still? Faith isn't here, right? Faith isn't in the line. No, no, she's somewhere else, not watching the Big Lebowski. Jim, Jim will you tell Faith to that diary, it's diary a joke? That. <laughs> um so uh Oh my no, god, you must have been you must have been crushed. Oh, it was the most terrifying. Uh, god, she was why wow, god, I don't even she was one something and oh. oh boy, terrifying and I went to Children's Hospital here in LA and it's the scariest saddest place in the world where parents are just, you know, fr- just just destroyed and and it was horrible and I was really scared and and I saw I then that's when I saw this gurney crashed through the doors like on a TV show with, with nurses and doctors and a life flight pilot, uh, you know, uh, busy uh, around the gurney yelling things like stat. And, uh, and, and it was – and I was like, oh my gosh, that's just like in a TV show. And then I noticed – and here's the quote-unquote funny thing – was that the gurney was really tiny and the IV – bag was really tiny and everything was smaller and i was like god it's not funny and somewhere i had the idea which didn't seem funny to me at the time until later when everything was okay and we could laugh at it and and that's that was it you know yeah i mean and and, i mean it's funny that it's so odd that story the tiny gurney the tiny gurney story and but the introduction if memory serves your character uh the the two uh doctor lady doctors are talking you walk around a corner and i think your introduction to the audience is your first word out your mouth is bitches i go bitches (laughs) and they go hey blake and for those hey blake and uh and for anybody who has not seen the show shame on you but you are you are a a a full-on Gacy-looking clown yes. with a uh, uh, now. Now I've noticed that your your uh, your scrubs are getting more organized in their bloodiness, but it really <laughs> you were co- your co- your character is always covered with blood and yeah. a Gacy. Did you now? Did you model the makeup on John, on Gacy? You know, it's so so funny is that Adult Swim has instructed me not to no longer comment about that, <laughs> but I'm sure if you Google that. You oh, will find okay. some uh, well, like, uh, no, no, do, mentions in some probably some pretty big newspapers. Okay, okay, sure, sure. You know what else you could do? You could do what Michelle Bachman does and just say it's modeled after John Wayne. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> John Wayne Bundy. I gotta know. need thirty cc's of Ringer's lactate, Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> Stat. Stat. But uh, so and so then. Did uh, you say lactate? By the way, I think Is it's Ringer's lactate. That's the <laughs> sugar water. Lactate. Not, you, you watched Mash? Come on, I don't know. It sounds lactate Ringers. sounds like a I don't know. I don't oh, know. like a booby thing. Yeah, it sounds like a booby thing to okay. me. I don't know if I don't. I can't hear Hawkeye saying lactate. Ringer, that's got a nipple quality. Ringer, I like. Ringer, ringer. Lactate ringer. makes me feel weird. Yes, awkward. 
Yeah. yeah, knocked up black mamas kind of thing. My thinking is, um, you uh, and so I don't mean to drag this out, but I, in, in the context of the show, which I, I think you you heard once, it's uh, we talk about fear a lot and and how frozen you can feel by fear, and I just think it's so interesting. And, and personally, I'm really interested in not just stories that always turned out well, but any story where something something changed because you're willing to get past being really freaked out and scared and, and trying to do something, maybe as you've described, I mean, whether you realize it or not, you're like patient zero for, for the stuff we talk about. Cause to not feel so stuck that you don't do something and to even despite all the odds, you sound like Bono or something to actually try this thing that you were really scared to try. And, and it seems like it kind of worked out, but if you hadn't had that writer strike, you never would have done it. Right. Exactly. And you know, you said something a couple episodes ago, uh, that I really connected with, which was something like, something like, uh, God, what, what it was like, if I, if I hadn't done the things, if I hadn't just started doing these things a couple of years ago or faking it, I started, if I hadn't started faking these things, I never would be where I am right now or something. What, what did you say? If you were not faking, but like, if I hadn't just decided I, 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 that might have been that might have been Dan. I don't know. No, that's I, probably no. That, was, that sounds like that sounds like me. Yeah, it was you. I, I don't remember exactly what you said, but it really was like if I had said because you know a couple of years ago, like I was saying, I was resentful of the community that said a comedian, uh, comic actor had to be a writer because I came right. up acting. I did theater. I was well, like, and you did what you're leaving out is that you are in my favorite improv group of all time that I've seen live <laughs> anyway, Naked Babies, which was thank you. Oh, just staggeringly funny. The show you guys did in San Francisco a few years ago. I mean, I. I hate to overstate this. I don't want to sound like a fanboy, but I was beaming during that show, and I walked out of there going, "This is at a time when I was, you know, saying to the Yield Nice Day guys, like, I really want to like do this as a thing and get good at it." And like w- walking out of there, I was just like, "I, this is magic." Like <laughs> watching somebody. Well, that's what that's the part that blows my mind in some ways is you're so good at improv, you're such a generous improviser uh, that it, it's it seems like it must have been a weird transition in some ways. I keep thinking of this article in Spy Magazine from the 80s called Celebrity Refuseniks. <clears throat> it was this great article about how everybody wants to do the next thing up. Like, you get really good at being a performer, so now you want to write songs. Or, and then you want to produce. Uh, right. And then you want to be David yeah. Geffen or whatever. And, like, with Dylan being, you know, one oh, example God. of this, so he's not the greatest actor in the world. but Right? And so I think what you're, what you're dealing with, it sounds like, and you know the L.A. thing better than me, but it sounds like they're so accustomed to people who maybe are a little gifted and maybe got kind of lucky in comedy. They're so used to them being a refusenik who wants to be a writer and then wants to be a a director and then wants to be a producer and then wants to be Ashton Kutcher or whatever. Um, God, yes. So is that that, that an expectation that you're facing? And I would, and I would tell, yeah, yeah. And I still am. Like I would tell, and I would tell these 25 year old kids that you talk to every week that it doesn't, once you decide to, to, do what you want to do like it doesn't get easier it gets harder because yes you are you are you keep getting challenged by the next state the, the newer possibilities that you hadn't realized before you know now now i'm on now i'm like a producer and now i have a company and right. and now i have people you got that a are budget you got a budget got and people a budget. who are expecting checks. Yeah. yeah and i'm like and now i'm like okay well where do i want that to go like right now, sure, I'm producing a couple shows, but like it's 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 I, I have one or two employees, but like I mean beyond my actual staff of the show, but like you know what what am I where do I want that? Do I want to be a production company like the Weinstein's or something? Like do I want to be that? Because because I could jump on that track, and you know that's something I'm I'm exploring right now, and I'm afraid of it. I'm really afraid of the implications because I could easily become one of those actors that. 
you know, has a vanity plate and, and gets a producer and gets some money from a studio and gets a contract and like, I get somebody that, that runs my company for me and, and produce a couple movies every year and, 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 you know, and, and, and that's that. But, but then again, there's like Will Ferrell who has a company called Gary Sanchez with his best friend, writer, director, Adam McKay and Chris Henchy. And, and they're doing what I'm terrified to do, which is really like this now becomes, that becomes a job. <laughs> right. You know, and, and then the, then everything that goes along with that. And I'm having a lot. Boy, this this was a really hard week for me. Last week when you asked me to do the show, I was like, absolutely. I cannot <laughs> wait to get on there and tell the kids how great I am. <laughs> nerds, nerds, get ready for the success story. Have a nice hot <laughs> cup of cordry. And then Sunday night, everything crumbled. Everything fell up and two I had to deal and I am dealing with two things that only a producer deals with and I've never dealt with things like this before and everything then you know the and whole then your the, cable modem the, then oh my well then then of course then of course my cable modem crapped out <laughs> and and when something like that happens like I was literally crying in the shower it's, uh, it's like it's like it's like breaking your wrist or something everything stops. Yeah. Everything stops and then everything becomes impossible. Everything, all that flow I was feeling last week and, and I could, I, it was immortal. Uh, <laughs> I, I could not, I could not even like towel myself off, <laughs> you know, That's the worst. Thinking, how am I going to get through this? And I got through it and it's hard. And you know, it's something funny. Like you guys, you don't talk about that often. Like, and it's something that, that really affects me and I struggle with it is that like, those things that cause once you're once you're in it and you're flowing and you're going and you're GTDing and and everything's working and you're successful and then like there is a wrench in the gears that you have to deal with that that is it is so stressful in that it is emotional and it is you know and how do you just deal with stress beyond like having a cup of tea and breathing? Well, the, absolutely, and the but the other factor that is I think I think you're describing this is. The first, whether that's production. Well, so, so think about it. You started out as, as a guy who wanted to go and do an auditions, go do auditions. You did that. You became talent. You did improv. Uh, but And then you started doing stuff on a show that was written for you and so on. I, I don't want to oversimplify this, but on some level, you've been moving in concentric circles further and further away from things you have total <laughs> control over to things you start having more and more just responsibility for. And responsibility and control are not the same thing. <clears throat> There's things we end up being responsible for that we have very little control over. Mm. And what's and I, I make this crack all the time about e how email would be easy if it was just you. It's, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I think yeah. GTD or any of those things are like that too. That productivity you described falling apart. Well, it's falling apart because the introduction of people who aren't simply not as organized as you, but people have completely differing expectations and needs. Or, you know, there are other people where, where your number one thing is, is their number 5,000 thing, maybe. Mm -hmm. Right? But... You know, or, or you're dealing with things like lawyers, you know, who are just these relentless time-eating, time-and-money-eating machines, God bless them. And, you know, there's just always somebody who's going to want time and money and attention from you. Mm -hmm. And it's, the question that I have, I mean, it's interesting because it sounds like you would not even have considered taking on the role – well, I could be wrong. But it sounds like – let's say there was an alternative universe where stuff happened and you ended up where you are today without having done your productivity by year. You – um would you be feeling okay about juggling the balls you're juggling right now if you didn't have that productivity backbone? Absolutely not. I, I can't even imagine a world where I, I could be doing what I'm doing right now without it. 
uh, could have even gotten here. So no, but, but, no, yeah, I can't. But think about all those. I look at all those credits at the end, and all of those people, and like God knows, I mean, uh, you know, William Street's a fun place to hang out, but like you've got to deal with a lot of people with expectations. Mm-hmm. And so the question I hear you asking, at least in my ear, is like, do you want ten, ten times more of that? You know, and, and this right. is not so different from what you've heard us talk about with uh, developers and admins and stuff becoming sysadmins, becoming managers of other developers. Yeah. And how a lot of people just don't like that. They like being <laughs> a practitioner. Like, there must be times when you're like, gosh, I didn't even realize how good I had it when I just did the stand up with <laughs> Stuart on some nights, you know? Exactly. Oh, God. Yeah. It was so easy. So, what's the answer? Do you want, do you think, or put, let's be a little more nuanced. <clears throat> Assuming you want to keep doing what you're doing, you've been very successful. It's, it's like the most popular show on Adult Swim, right? Is it only- uh, well, no, I, I don't know if it's like it's not as popular as uh, as uh, as the reruns of Family Guy, and I believe Robot Chicken is there. I think that's <laughs> their biggest show. But yeah, where I think we're we're we beat. I mean, we beat all basic. We win basic cable. You're like the smartest kid at the community college. <laughs> we really it? are. We really are. We are like we are consistently. We've never not been the number one show on all of cable when we run. But of course, we're competing with infomercials and, and oh, you know, when restless you run, leg I syndrome commercials. <laughs> Sure. Hi, I'm Aaron Gray. <laughs> exactly. But then again, like it's nice when you hear that like Comedy Central and MTV are actually programming against us. That's that means something. We would like to extend a very special thanks to our friends at Mailchimp for sponsoring Dan's sabbatical from Back to Work. Uh, as you may know, we love these guys. Uh, if you don't know Mailchimp, we'll shame on you. It's a great service that helps you design email newsletters, share them on social networks and then integrate them with the services you already use. Uh, Best of all, you can track your results, which is aces in my book. Uh, It is, as I like to say uh, to my wife and anyone who listen, it's like your own personal publishing platform. And it is. It's really cool. It's really pretty. Uh, It's a service that Dan and I both use, and we enjoy it. So please do check them out at MailChimp.com. And seriously, MailChimp has been a really good friend of 5 by 5 and uh, we know they'll be a swell pal for you too. So please go MailChimp.com. We really appreciate MailChimp supporting 5 by 5 Back to Work, and especially Dan's sabbatical from Back to Work. Thanks, guys. But like you, but you can even even. Do you remember like at, at the, when I was? We're you're a little younger than me, but you must remember like after Letterman would go off, you know, it was a really big deal when they start. You know, you'd get like Tom Snyder and not much else. I mean, right. being being at let me put it differently. It was even with VCR Plus, it was not super easy to watch Tom Snyder. VCR Plus, VCR Plus, how that changed it's everything. So simple. Just make sure you got the Simpsons tape in and not the soap opera tape. But but you know, I guess what I'm getting at was with time shifting through things like DVRs, through things like you, God forbid, torrents. Like you are exposed to an audience with a 12:30 a.m. show that or 12 a.m. show that you would not have been exposed to five, let alone 20 years ago. Absolutely, absolutely. But also, it's also like kind of watered things down a little bit. We get a million. We average a million viewers. Wow. Uh, actually, way more than that. That's the that's what they care about. That's the demographic, the 18 to 35-year-old males. That's all people care about. So we get a million of those, right? Mm-hmm. They don't even measure the other people. Uh, <laughs> so who knows what we're getting. But they compare us. We filter to, out the old people. Yeah. You know, you know, and so like, you know, the happy days used to get 17 million or something people right. watching it. So when I tell, but a million is a lot right now. The biggest show on cable, like Burn Notice gets 3 million. Is that right? And yeah. And so it's it's big. But like, uh, you know, I tell Henry Winkler that, like, we got a million. And he's like, oh, isn't that cute <laughs> for you? Good for us. Well, that's back you know. when there were, in my case, in Cincinnati, Ohio, 1900 and what would it be 74 to i stopped watching that after oof, after he started wearing an apron and making bread with mrs cunningham or whatever well speaking of mustaches do you remember when he came back with a beard 
And he was like, Fonzie, what? He was teaching high school. Oh, God, he got, he, got little, he got a little paunch. Because Fonzie, yeah. was, Fonzie was older than a lot of people realize. He was in the Lords of Flatbush in like 1972. Right. With Stall- anyway, but, it, but um, that was in, I think about when I, when I was really into that show. Like right after they changed the furniture around, like 1975, yeah. 76. I loved that show. And <laughs> it killed off Chuck, you know. But I, when I was watching that, we had the NBC, the ABC, the CBS. And then on the, on the UHF, you had the one independent station and yeah. PBS. And that was it. So we had a total, and we could kind of get the Dayton station on Channel 2 just a little bit. But that was it. I mean, this is yeah. so overstated for 10 years now, but that's... So really, but you do need to look at that in context, right? And and then for, in your case, like let's let's say the thing we haven't said, which is this started as a web series, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And who was so, that? Was it uni- not Universal? Who who who? Warner uh, Brothers. Warner, Warner Brothers. Brothers. It was also that was during a time when uh, those, those arms were very popular. Those those digital arms of these studios, they because because you could do it during the strike. And oh they, re- oh, that's okay. So you know, that's the key yeah. is that that was not uh, yeah it was scabby. not under the, it was yeah, scabby also, <laughs> right it wasn't scabby and and. And uh, you could so they were they also considered it very cheap development. Like, okay, we'll just we'll we'll pay nothing for these quote unquote pilots, and then we'll turn them into TV shows if if they're good. And we're the only ones. I think Lisa Kudrow's show also got picked up, and we're the only ones that actually became a TV show because, you know, I think they realized the the the, the networks didn't like being handed a show that was all done. They didn't have right. any control over the web series, really. They didn't care. They're like, yeah, let them do what they want. And that makes good material. That makes for good material. But then they were like, well, now we can't tell them to do anything differently because it's all here and it works, so we're irrelevant. So they hmm. didn't like that. <laughs> but they <laughs> wouldn't – I'm just guessing. I don't want to say this too strongly, but I'm guessing they. you would have not – you would not have gotten the attention for a web series in what what was that probably two thousand seven something like that well, yeah I think so I think so yeah. but you would not have got even then you would not have gotten the attention for that if there hadn't been the I'm just wondering if somebody like Warner Brothers Universal whoever goes oh my god how long is this writers thing going to go on because you know mm-hmm. we can only put on how many more reality shows can we put on even they've got writing right yeah. I mean oh, the, yeah. how, we're stuck here so maybe it's time for us to look at this BS thing we've been hearing about for a long time and and spend the tiny amount of money we think it's worth and then it's like VC money right we're going to throw most of this away but we'll just we'll just see what happens that, yeah. don't you think in some ways that must have been part of the context for even getting that shot Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, it was everything. It was everything. And, and because also this was a web idea. I, I, you know, my manager said, like, what do you want this to be? Is it a movie? Is it a TV show? Is it a web series? I was like, it's nothing but a web series. This, this could never be a TV show. Right. Uh, and so, you know, it just so happened. I mean, I, you know, before the strike, there were such thing as web series, but... Uh, yeah, but they know. were like it was, it was again. It was all. It's like like all of these things. It was for dorks. It was like when I had yeah. an email address. My email address in 1993 was Merlin at you <laughs> It was ridiculous, and, and I, I looked like I was out of my mind, like a ham radio operator or something. Yeah. And but I think that's how all that stuff starts. It's just I think it's just I don't know. It's easy to beat up on the entertainment industry, and I do it all the time. But it is funny. The way I always put it, as you've heard, probably is, um, you know, it's like their Excel spreadsheet is not really tuned for this new universe. Their Rolodex with each other is very – and I wonder how long it's going to be – we should start wrapping up here. But I wonder how long it's going to be before those Rolodexes evolve and those Excel spreadsheets move to Google Docs and start changing a little more often. I mean, do you get any sense in talking to people? Some of the things you said to me um, make me think that this is still not so far – it's closer to Robert Evans than it is to Rob Corddry as an industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. They love paper. 
They love mm-hmm. paper and they love memos. Microsoft and they, Word, love Microsoft oh, Word. Oh, they love Microsoft Word. <laughs> and, uh, you know, David Wayne uh, is a real big proponent of this sort of new way of thinking about things. And he is all digital when he does a film and he's paperless. And, and people, it's really hard for people to get on board with it because they're so used to their inboxes being full of paper. And Final, final Draft, right? Oh, God. And fi- we are slaves to the worst piece of software ever created final draft uh which is just the the industry staple and they never update it and it's it's uh their updates are useless when they do and it's really got it we're actually thinking about getting a bunch of writers to sign a petition and put it in variety magazine saying you fix this or we're gone and we're taking everybody with us and and, and uh, <clears throat> what about, uh, all my friends have said, like, I, I think I mentioned to David, we were talking a little bit about your workflow on the show, and I always mentioned there's, like, some neat apps. There's one called Celtics that's really neat. Yeah, I've been looking into that. It it's, is cool. you know, it's a little bit, feels a little Java-y, sort of, but, I mean, there's oh, there like are it. different ways, but what I hear from every single person, I have friends who've sold scripts, and they all say the same thing, that's all, that's all well and good, but in the same way that anything I make that goes to a publisher has to be in Word, you're not going to turn in a script that's not, I guess I'm saying that, doesn't that, Read it's as, it reads as stuff. flipping the bows up. It reads as printing it on, printing your script on on funny paper. Absolutely. Right. And Everybody says like with scripts, it's got to look like this, right? It does. It absolutely does. And you know, I, I get a lot of people now asking me to read their scripts, right? And it's hard. That's really hard because... Uh, Don't you know, you know pretty friend. quick? Don't you know pretty quick, though? Oh, yeah, no, no. I, well, that's my policy is I read to page 22. And if I like it, I keep reading uh, but then I get it. Uh, that's the first act, basically. And of an, of an hour-long show, that would be 22 minutes oh, in. Oh, no, no, no. That's of a movie. Oh, uh, I see, I, you see, know, I see. Yeah, it's different. For for a half-an-hour show, that's 30 pages. I write, I, I'll read the whole thing. But, okay. you know, but then again, like, I don't read everybody's. And I read my friends, He a friend of a friend's, and he gave it to me. And he goes, these guys are funny. They're making this movie. Read it. And I read the first page, and there was two formatting errors and a spelling error. And I said, I gave it back to him, and I said, this is not a professional script. Uh, and these guys, if they really want to work and be in this business, they've got to, I, I, I don't, I don't trust them. I don't trust this is going to be a good script because they don't know what they're doing right. technically. Uh, and you know, it's kind of an excuse not to read it, but sure, sure, sure. it made sense. I mean, it, it was, impo- it's important to me too, that, that well, you, you these know, guys I, learned something. That, it's like the that, scene in the producers where they're laying on the couch and they got that giant pile of scripts that they're going through. I, I have a friend who does that at Lucas. She, Lucasfilm, she reads, she reads lots of scripts and you know, she'll have to read like, uh, she'll have to like get through five, 10, 20 of these in a night to at least, but she's, she says, you know, within the first five pages, whether, yeah. I, you know, I, 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 that's not an exact quote, but I mean, basically, she knows very quickly. She does not read to need to read, but she says that's it's hugely true. Is if you know, if you're in a business, like think about it this way: like, when's the last time you went in and could use a loony or a toonie to buy a bagel? It's like, no, we have a currency system that works. I'm sorry, I can't take this money. Like, it, there's, I don't even have a slot for it here. Don't you think yeah. it's a little bit like that, where you walk in and go, like, you seem really weird if you're trying to pay with foreign currency at the bagel place? And in this instance, people are you're going to flip the bozo a bit because they're going to go. Oh, I guess what we're getting at is the deeper issue is you're not familiar enough with this industry for me to take this seriously. And gosh, typos. That's right. That's that's exactly what I. That's exactly what I mean. You're not serious. But then, in turn, the bigger producer types don't. 
feel like you're they just won't even pick it up i'm guessing if it's not in the right format or no. you've talked about like even with you and john it sounds like david's the uber nerd with you guys john is the closest thing to the mainstream guy he likes to needle david about about his mm-hmm. uh, nerdiness yeah but he, but even still even in a group of three people it can be really hard to yeah. come up with a standard that works for everybody oh exactly and and you know it's so funny like when when the tech does kind of fall apart because you know it, you know skype doesn't always work and and google really Docs, really you know, we, skype we, huh? we lose a save and uh it's uh you know, David gets so John loves it when it all falls apart and David's world just comes crashing down around him. And, and I'm right in the middle, like, oh, poor David. I feel so badly for him. And uh, I know and, and for myself as well, because I would love to be like half the nerd that David is. Uh, and I want it all to work. Hence my modem. You know, I, the, there's things that I don't understand in this world. I don't understand. Uh, I don't understand fantasy football. <laughs> I don't understand uh, manual camera settings, and I don't understand networking. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of amazing that it works at I'm all. Like, I mean, <clears throat> I like '90s era Barbie with math. Do you remember that doll? Like, <laughs> ah, math, math, is, math hard. is hard. Yeah, I, you know, I'm like, I networking. Once you start talking about port forwarding, I'm gone. I'm oh, because the, the back to mustache. my Mac. There's a whole, there's a whole, uh, not a whole episode, but a recent episode of our, our friend Marco's show, uh, Build and Analyze, where they, he talks about how frustrating it was. And this is what I immediately thought of with you when we were talking about your modem woes. Is he's like, you know, I have a thing here. Like, for example, I've got a Comcast connection. I despise Comcast, but I've got something called a surfboard, which is this one very simple modem you plug in. There is, as Marco says, there's a coax coming out that plugs into this and Ethernet going out of that. So I run that into my own, you know, my own uh, app, Airport Extreme, and I'm good to go. The problem is, they, and I'm wondering if this happened. <laughs> this is a little off topic, but did they foist you one of those Uber boxes where it's yeah. constantly crashing and stuff and no, 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 no. dropping My, DHCP connections and stuff? Yeah, I have I have Time Warner. I had a Time uh. Warner cable box, and it's just slow, and it dropped. I had, to, I had to recycle it like four times a day. So I went to AT&T because they have fiber here in California. Um, and so it was, it's, you know, I got the max speeds, and, 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 and but, you know, come to find out, and it was really fast, but come to find out, they're not compatible with Macs. Ugh. AT&T U-verse is not Mac compatible. Their outgoing servers are not Mac compatible. How is that even possible? How is that even possible is the question. That's like having a 110 plug and a 110 socket and plugging it in and going, no, no, you need 231. Yeah. Like, that, what, she, what, what does that you know even what mean? What? Basically, basically... I went to Twitter. I did it again, and it was the worst <laughs> thing, but it helped. It always – I got to trudge through a lot of the most condescending answers, replies, <laughs> to get the guy that so. fixes my problem. <laughs> but uh, you'll get it eventually. You'll get it because people want to solve problems, right? They do, and I got – I actually got a guy that – he's a hacker. He's a self-proclaimed hacker, and he's good. Like, boy, you look at his history. He's the real deal. And, like, he said, open up port 25. And of course, and he goes, and also AT&T won't let you do that. Port 25 so, is the one that lets you route around the problems with uh, port 22. Be- 25 is the one you use at work. Cause that, you're that's, speaking Chinese to me right now, but it, yes, it's like, <laughs> I guess it's, it's like opening a window. They can seal the door really hard, but sometimes port 25 can be a special window that you open. <laughs> you can exploit, people can exploit it really easily, but not really on Macs, apparently. So, uh, you know, they won't open it though. AT&T, it's just policy. They won't open that. And, right. uh, they wouldn't. They wouldn't open it. And so then a guy from AT and T on Twitter who followed me said, "Oh, what's your account number? I'll open it up for you." And he did. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm great. And I'm, I'm good to go. I'm, I'm I'm actually sending email like it's 1995 again. <sighs> that's a good feeling. We, we should we should probably wrap up. But just with um, well, is there anything no, you want to say? Anything you want to say before we go? 
We're not going to take a few calls. Oh, we should take some calls. Is the, is the caller there? Uh, go ahead, Faith. Yeah. Hey, uh, is this Rob? I just uh-huh. want to. I just want to say I love everything you do. Uh-huh. And um, I'm just wondering, like, uh, uh, do you think you would ever want to move back to Boston? You don't sound like someone from Boston. Yeah, uh, you're uh, from Beantown? Are you I'm from, from Newton. City by the Bay, as, as we call it. <laughs> you're from Newton. Is that the town you know in Boston? <laughs> Shut up. I know a couple. I know, I know Jamaica, J- Jamaica Plain. Yeah. No. Wait, that's in New York. Wait, which no, one? Jamaica Plains. That's, that's the station to go. Uh, that's the station you do to go to LaGuardia. I'm confused. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. All right. And you get the, you get the, the T? Is it the T? It's the T. You take the T. What's well, the best band? Take... What's the best band you ever saw in Boston? Did, did you, so we're, just so you know, we, we share. I, I only found out like a couple months ago, like how many of the same bands we both adore. Did you ever get to see anything like Pixies, Dinosaur? Did you go see bands like that? I saw Di- Dinosaur Junior. I they drove past. Me. I went to college at UMass Amherst, where they're from. They lived in Amherst, and they they drove past me in a convertible once. <laughs> and the guy in the back seat, the uh, what's his face? The what's the drummer's name? Murph, yeah. yeah. Murph goes, hey! And we look over, and they pointed at Jay Maskus and went, that's Jay Maskus! <laughs> and you wonder why Lou Barlow left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so then, uh, good that I got into Daddy's Her Junior. Never saw them live, though, ironically. Uh, there's two shows I ever had to leave because Ugh. they were too loud, and, one, and both in 1988. One was Dinosaur Junior, and uh, one was Sonic Youth. I yeah. saw Sonic Youth uh, live, and they were amazing. Oh, they're amazing! But and then another time, I saw Dinosaur a couple Dinosaur Junior a couple years later with my Bloody Valentine opening. And it was the, it was excruciating, oh. but I had right. brought appropriate earplugs, so it wasn't too bad. But you like <laughs> you like a lot of this. Sounds like you uh, the Matador bands and the uh, Merge yeah. bands. It sounds like you're. That's yeah. That's uh, I have a lot of indie street cred, Merlin. Mm. A lot of indie cred. You're you you you're down with the uh, Mac and Laura and uh, and whatnot. Did you get my? By the way, I, you you gifted me uh, the new uh, version of Bake Sale, which I, I mentioned. I mentioned on the show that I've been exchanging records with with yeah. people. And yeah, no, the Boston spaceships. I've got yeah. I've got a couple other things. It's solid. So this is Bob Pollard from GBV and the drummer from the Decemberists and. It's not the is it the Cobra Verde bass player? Uh, yeah, then uh, is no. it? It might be because he was in GBV though. Yeah, 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 me, me, yeah. I don't, I don't know who it is. It's but... a strong record. He pulls them out every oh, once in a while. It's good. It's good. Yeah, I mean, if God, if you throw everything you have up against the wall, something's going to stick eventually. <laughs> I, I've got, I've got the last thing that I let you go, but I know it's kind of late. But I, I got a, um, I found a thing via I forget which site, a blog a few years back. <laughs> this guy very considerately put together. It's called Nifty's Crushed and Fired Away, which is a line from one of their songs, GBV song. And he's like, I understand. Like, you gave up after Do the Collapse. It's all right. Like, a lot of people did. You know, they, they put the weird version of Teenage FBI on there, not the really good right, one. Right. And, like, it was a weird record. It was all Rico Kasich. And wonk, 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 wonk. Yeah. Like, I understand. So here's the thing. Like, actually, Bob Pollard and his 45 side projects have put out a lot of good stuff. You should not be expecting. Here are 30 really good songs. Yep. From from after 1998, 1999. And I'll send it to you. It's so okay, good. good. There's so many. Like, like, how many Lexo and the Leapers CDs do you need? <laughs> right? Yeah. No, or, I like, or, or, you know, or like, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. But it's it's really, really good. I'll send it to you. So anyway, you got uh, you got the Children's Hospital. You got the Indie Rock. Uh, anything anything oh, else, Rob? Oh, you just reminded me, yeah. by the way. We, we got to take a tour of Lucasfilm if you've got a friend up there. You I know. do. I do. Uh, I, let's do that. Well, see, here's the thing. I I'll can come make, up for a day. I'll just come up for a day we'll to, go to get into these high up. status studios I, I 
I, I can make the introduction, then I say two words, Rob Corddry. And they say, what time and what do I wear? We will have the door open. We will give you a guy with a hat who will, who will hang with you. So you and Terry are still hanging out. Is that correct? Yeah. We should know, tell the it. audience. We should tell the audience. Like, yeah. blah, blah. We, we were, our, our friend Chris Walker and our friend Terry Lee Mosley were kind enough to get us in for a tour at Pixar with yeah. our families. And, and, and Terry and I have become good friends. Your buds and, now. You, you met at Comic-Con. We, saw, we hung out at Comic-Con. And with, we just had the <laughs> best. And I introduced him to a couple of my f- best friends and their friends now. It's great. I love that guy. And he gave us like the Uber tour of uh, Pixar. I learned and, so much. Oh, my God. It, it was just so. And I had toured Google the day before. And I was just in this fantasy land of how companies should be run. I know. <laughs> tell, know? tell him. Tell him. Uh, no, no, the thing is, we had not seen Monsters, Inc. until that, that night. Because who did we meet? Tell him who we met. Oh. Wazowski. Yeah. Well, you didn't God. file your paperwork. Oh, but that was a huge because that guy he's the he's, he's the, the head, head of, of story at Pixar and he's the at voice Pixar. of Roz, which is and which we're just means, walking around and he's suddenly he's doing the voice of Roz. Yeah, which means he's in charge of story in general. He 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 <laughs> he like sat around and said, "No, change this thing to make Wally better." Like, <laughs> yeah. whoa, wow, 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 wow. That's like wow. It, wasn't that a day though? I mean, that's that yeah, was amazing. It, it but was, you're it was, you're dead right. It does make you think. Like, yeah, whatever. That's fine for Pixar. But like the thing is, every <laughs> single person you met there, like the coffee the coffee guy, like they're all yeah. just so obsessed with making something awesome, and yeah. even something that that's you know like Cars too, whatever. Like they're so excited about it because so. Mm-hmm much work went into it. Just go read the credits from any Pixar movie and you instantly get... You see our friend Chris is in the credits. I think Terry's in the credits. Yeah, um, Terry's in the credits. Like yeah, Terry, Terry works on computers there. And like, yeah. he, but because they, everybody contributed. Here are the babies that were born while this was being produced. Yeah. Like, you know? And seriously, if you haven't seen Presto, I'm just saying. Oh, God. Yeah. We watch that. Um, we watch that constantly now. Yeah. Cars 2, though. We, we finally had to watch that. Uh, How'd it go? How'd it I think go? Terry will agree. This is a terrible film. <laughs> It's a terrible, terrible Ooh. movie. Cars 1 is also not awesome. Well, it's not in my sort of... Are you saying not... Cars 2 is not as good as Cars? <laughs> oh. Cars 2 is not as good as the band Cars. The Cars. Oh, gosh. Not from Boston. Uh, no, no. I think, you, I think you're thinking of... I can't play this game. <laughs> oh, I can't shut play up. This game like you're dead. I can't. Uh, I, I, 9-11 dildo party? I'm not going <laughs> to... It's so great that you saw naked babies. I was, I I so you gay. I've been so you gay for time. you for so long. Okay, this is the part that annoys people. That's fine for Robin Merlin. Listen, uh, Rob Cordry, uh, Children's Hospital on Adult Swim. Um, thank you so much for doing this, and uh, thanks, thanks for you know listening to the show and for for spreading the, uh, the good word. I do, and I, I love it. And thank you for having me on. And uh, thank Dan. And uh, hello, Jim. And Faith, you've, I love your voice. I fell in love with your voice. I need you on every episode. Is that creepy? Um, you know, bit. if you hadn't said her name, but you know, <laughs> or if you hadn't mentioned her address, Faith. we cut that part out. Faith. But um, okay, Rob, we'll, uh, we'll button it up. I love you. All right. Love you too. Oh, booyah.